Hey, welcome to the It Starts With You podcast. My name is Sam Adams. I am known as the Real Life Coach, and this is a podcast that is all about exploring ourselves, about us taking ownership for our lives, taking responsibility, and our experiences and our journeys into that. I get to speak to some amazing guests and some just all round downright inspirational, awesome human beings. Plus, there's the few episodes of me just sharing my experiences of life and maybe some stuff from coaching my clients. If you want to find out more about me, please head to my website, sam-adams.com. Okay, that's it from me. Here comes your episode. Hey guys, welcome to It Starts With You podcast. This episode, as you know, is with uh, British Olympic race walker Tom Bosworth. Sadly, the first few minutes of this episode, for some reason, are not here. So the episode starts about five minutes in. So apologies for that firstly. But in the first five minutes, uh, Tom and I just spoke about how uh, he got in, how he became a walker And we also spoke about his achievements. Um, And so I'm just going to kind of summarize those here for you. You know, um, Tom is, as I said, a British Olympic race walker. He holds three world best times, including world best for one mile race walk. He holds six British records. He's won 12 British championships, golds. He's won a silver Commonwealth Games medal, world and European Olympic Games finalists. He's a world record holder at 3,000 meters indoors and outdoors. Um, And he got into walking when he was 11 years old, when he joined an athletics club. Uh, He tried all of the other sports. Um, It was something to do to get him. His parents were keen for him to go, obviously, to athletics because, you know, it kept him fit. He got him active and he tried all other sports, which he says he was rubbish at. Um, And this, you know, he he was okay. He didn't do fantastically well to begin with, but he just he had a very encouraging coach. And that's really what got into, you know, that's what helped support him. He did a lot of little local meets down in Tunbridge where he was based and he just yeah got better and better as he as he got older so um obviously now tom can walk faster than most of us can run um at the first part that you'll hear in a moment that's what tom's basically talking about <laughs> how quick he walks so apologies that the first few minutes are missing but um i've basically summarized it there local race mm. they they suddenly say Oh my goodness! I've just been I've just been beaten by a walk, and I've just run a twenty minute five k, and he's walked a an eighteen minute five k, and and people are just in awe. Yeah, I am <laughs> quite. <frankly. laughs> it's incredible to to see and to watch. So yeah, it's just amazing. So it's it's fantastic to have you here. So I really appreciate it. Now you challenged me, or you said to me in your email that to about asking you <laughs> something different or. Um, yeah, just to ask you something different. So my question for you is, on that basis, I do have other ones, though. Um, yeah. um, if I was to ask you just one question today, if I could only ask you one question today, what would that question be? Oh, so you flipped the question back at me. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not, not sure that counts, to be perfectly honest. I feel yeah. like that's cheating, that is. <laughs> um, what... 
What goodness me! You can tell that there's been no. I haven't been warned for this question or anything like no, that. There's, been... there's no warning in this. There's no warning. There's no. Um, all right now, there's me. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think out the box. But I, I think, from from many people and with uh, with um, professional sport as well, mm. the the level of sacrifice we have so is 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 ludicrous but often isn't seen and and i think the question is if i had my time again would i sacrifice the things i have or what i have achieved because i think that's mm. quite a uh a deep question but at the same time it's um it's a good it's always good to reflect yeah and i love what i do uh, i i work incredibly hard but i don't feel like i work at all right and no i i wouldn't change any of that for for the world because i have because i'm so uh if i if i was forced to retire tomorrow i'm so proud of what i've achieved uh mm. that i'm content and and i and i can walk away from it and and i've missed family weddings and I've missed numerous birthdays. I spent only one of my own birthdays in the last decade in the country wow. with, with, with my family on it. And so uh, it, it's grueling lifestyle and, and it's, it's, it's tough for anyone. And so few people make it that, that I think that question um, is really interesting one to sports people, because I don't think everyone would say yes, that, they would do yeah. do they would do it again yeah the, yeah it's the sacrifices isn't it yeah uh, absolutely yeah okay all right you yeah i'll let you have that <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay so um obviously you know one of my questions was how you got into it but you've explained that really already because you know you weren't that into sport and so because so how did that really happen because you know maybe you could explain that a little bit more like how you actually got into walking was it you know who who inspired you to get into it and how did it exactly happen yeah i mean it's such a bizarre sort of event it's it's barely heard of often mm. apart from every four years when people say oh i i saw the walking at the olympic games pretty much yeah. um and and so yeah i mean uh, before I joined Tunbridge Athletics Club, I never heard of it myself. Um, and that wasn't my aim in life was to become a professional walker at, mm. at all. Mm. Um, and and yeah, just my sister joined the, the club because she had a friend who um, actually did did race walking and well, I wanted to kind of go along with her mm. for fun, for fitness. Um, my parents obviously were pleased to encourage that. Mm. And and ultimately being my sister's younger brother i was pulled along and and just chucked mm -hmm. into a generic athletics sort of kids club tried a bit of everything was useless at everything <laughs> um but it was something to do and it, it, i met new people and it encouraged me to stay fit and healthy and my first coach was was brilliant he was half coach half kind of babysitter almost in a way to deal with uh, you know the the teenage tantrums and I don't want to do any exercise I don't want to go train I want to go play football or, or whatever and he would yeah. just encourage that he would just encourage it and and he you know I never 
I trained a couple of times a week, which slowly built up, but I never ever um, saw it as as anything more than a bit of fun. And and he would encourage me, even if I came last in a race, he would find something really positive to say. And and he would say, "Go, go buy some sweets from the from the shop around the corner where we've just raced, and mm. and and we'll go again tomorrow, sort of thing." And and he's just brilliant. It was just yeah. Was was. Th- were there a lot of races to compete in back then? You know, when you first started out, a lot of walking races, or yeah, uh, in in the southeast, and actually, but uh, you know, twenty years ago in the southeast and and uh, the northeast, both had kind of a lot of clubs and and so a lot of local sort of league races, a lot like you get cross country races and and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the sort. That's the sort of things I I I would compete at. Absolutely of of no importance if i look at it how i look at it now um but such a great community and such a great environment to be involved in and that's what kept me going because as i say it wasn't about winning anything because i didn't win anything so it was it was something yeah and i mean obviously the world we're in right now that's what i know for a fact so many people are really really missing and, and that's the power of of sport at any level and so yeah, that's why, I, you know, all the time, even even especially at the moment, I'm just encouraging people to get out and, and try something, uh, meet people, get in the fresh air, because it's just all so good. I think back on my childhood now, and I, I, I wonder what would have filled that void if, if that wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thankfully you did. <laughs> what, where, what was the point? Was there a pivotal point where you realised, I'm pretty good at this? No, because it, it didn't really happen like that I guess it was I was 18 19 um and I just kept not setting goals I guess every achievement I would get I wouldn't go and say right this is what I want to go and achieve now I just want to say right okay can I can I get any better and so that's what I did now as a junior in athletics for the walking you you compete over 10 kilometers it's still quite a long way for an under 20 Mm. and then as soon as you turn 20 you have to compete at 20k which is nearly half a marathon and so wow. it's really tough when at the same time you're 21 or 2021 20, you want to go out partying at you know or if you're at uni or, or there's so many life distractions that it, mm. it, it's really really hard to sort of um sacrifice all of them straight away but i was about 19 and that sort of winter time i'd just been training away coach encouraging me friends with me and they all said um oh you've really made some kind of steps on this in this winter you know you're training a bit more uh, you know this season could be quite good and and i started competing over 10k and, and then within from about march through to may i found myself in an england team and then a british team and and it all started accelerating from there really 18 months later, I made my first senior champs at the Commonwealth Games in, in Delhi, in India. And it had gone from yeah. literally a few days training uh, a week, uh, for, you know, for, in Tunbridge or from my house in Seven Oaks to I'm training full time. I'm at uni and I'm now competing at the Commonwealth Games. Wow. Amazing. That's incredible. Did, I mean, obviously that's quite hard. Like you said, you you know, you may, you've always made a living as a walker as a race walker you know you know it's very hard for a lot of athletes to because there's not lots of money in it um <sighs> yeah. how was how was the journey for you 
Yeah, I mean, in, in so many sports, it's so hard. I think everybody thinks anyone who goes to the Olympics or competes on TV, if you're lucky enough to get to that level, you know, is doing it full time and making a small fortune. And it's so yeah. not the case. It, it, so many Olympians work a full time job. Mm. Um, and I've got so much respect uh, for, for those people because I, I struggle training full time without any other distractions, let alone then with a family or or, or a job. And, and you know, I, 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 was, I was smart. I, I use university for as long as I could, which a number of athletes I know do. And there is the world-class performance programme as well, which is basically lottery funded. But right. there's you know, about se- space for about 70 athletes on that for all of athletics, you know, so... Yeah. You might get two or three athletes within each event, if that, supported. Mm. And that's a little bit of money each month and medical support and, you know, travel expenses, that sort of thing. And I didn't get any of that until I was in my mid-20s. So I just kind of skipped between. I I did a sports massage course so I could work my own hours and, and started to develop my speaking skills and to talk for the uni as I started to race more and and just meet people make connections i really enjoy sort of the media side of of sport and, and just yeah. learn more and, and always say yes to things that's what i i, I found and it, it led me down really interesting interesting routes outside of athletics and it was uh i think it you know it's so much easier to say oh no no i'll save that for another day or, or i don't mm. need to do that hopefully i'll get this lottery funding support next year or Hmm. you just can't can't risk it like that and and i think it was being quite smart and making those decisions and not expecting the world will fall to fall at my feet yeah kind of kept me kept me quite sane and 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 steady Um, and i think my coach really really encouraged that in me and 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 he does with all of his athletes Hmm. because you said at the beginning of this that you there's been an element of luck Which I'm interested in because I think you, you know, my my dad's always used to always say you got to work for your luck. Yeah, I like that saying. You've got to work for your luck. You do, you do make, you do definitely make your own luck, but you also have to be in the right place at the right time sometimes, and, and things like that. But as I say, if you don't say yes or take the chances, you, you're not going to be in that place exactly. ever. So. Uh, and I see a lot of athletes who I use the term like entitlement and the entitled athlete, and they'll never su- never succeed because it, this is this isn't football. There is all all other sports aren't like football, and and that's what people kind of forget, I think, at times because you know in in other ev- events, even within athletics, there's an opportunity to make maybe a little bit more money if you're at the very very top level. Mm. And unfortunately, that just doesn't filter down. And, and I guess when you reach the very top, you probably are in a position financially where there's less pressure because you've somehow got there. Mm. And it was earlier down that you needed the things that come to you only when you're at the very top. So it's a bit yeah. like a, a catch twenty two. There, it's how do you how do you get there? And and, mm-hmm. it, and it's it's. But I think that's what makes athletes so successful people is those few percent that do make it have got those 
sort of tendencies to just keep going and plugging away and, and, and creating an opportunity out of nothing. Yeah, because, you know, it's that grassroots, isn't it? If you really love it and you, you know, it's about love and passion, isn't it? Because you've got nothing else, really. There's not money that's being thrown at you or anything like that. Yeah, precisely. And I think that that definitely goes for all walks of life, really. Yeah. If it's playing an instrument, learning a language, whatever it is, uh, I think you can, the more you, you do it, you just don't know where it's going to lead you and you just don't know how good you're going to get. Mm, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, obviously, I want to move on a little bit because obviously the reason I'm doing this series of podcasts is for LGBTQ History Month, which is next month, February. Um, if you're listening to this, it might well already be February or beyond. Um, and obviously, you're openly out athlete. I think you came out in 2015, something like that. Yeah. So how how has that been for you? What What's your experiences? I mean, what was it like before? Did you feel like it was something you had to hide? Um, yeah, what was your experiences, I guess? Um, so, I mean, I, from a very young age, always knew I was gay. Mm. It, it was, I came from quite a, a old school family, so it was something that I did try and hide for a long, long time. Mm. But then in my early 20s, I met my now fiancé, um, Harry, and and he was the reason I told my parents and started to live openly. And thankfully, it was like a time before social media really was was as powerful as it is now. Mm. But it was still, you know, always in the back of my mind how anybody uh, I might come across and work with yeah, might might take it if, if if they found out. So it's always something that that, that goes through your mind, regardless whether mm. you know you're on telly or or you're just just uh, at school or, or any sort of level. Yeah, you're just Sam Adams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it's it really will always cross your mind, and it, it's it's a shame. And so, I say I have I had to have like three coming outs almost. I came out to my friends when I was quite a bit younger and, and mm. felt comfortable enough to do that. And then my parents and family. And then as I got better as a as an athlete, I and it was in kind of it almost grew as as social media grew as well. Mm. I saw the impact and and the whirlwind that was london 2012 and i just missed out on that on competing at london 2012 mm. but it was that that made me and i got a lot of attention prior to that because i was close to qualifying i came really really close to making the team mm. and i thought blimey this this is quite cool getting all this sort of media attention uh, and stuff and I, i'm i'm not any good <laughs> it's kind of what i thought you know I still had, you know, I've been increased my performances by about five minutes over 20K since then. So yeah. I, I, I still had a lot of developing to go, but but it was already the attention was was coming to me. And and as I say, in, a, in an event, that's completely unknown. And over the next few years, I started making British teams consistently and, and kind of media outlets kind of cottoned on to me and, and realised that was quite an interesting personality I'm quite a bubbly person and happy to do an interview or I love presenting and asking the questions as well as answering them so I kind of got myself some commentating gigs and and just got to know people and as I went into 2016 the Olympic year um or or before it I knew that from my experience of 2012 2016 is going to be crazy because I've already got the qualifier or qualifier or I'm really close to it and 
I probably could be could be going quite there's uh, quite competitive. So this could be even more crazy than four years ago, even though it's not a home Olympics. And mm. I, and I was right. And and so at the end of the 2015 season, I spoke to my agent at the time and I said, how how could we do this? I just want to put it out there so I have control. So yeah. then I can talk about Harry in interviews and and uh, it not be a big surprise and shock to anybody. Or yeah. if it is, I, I don't really need to talk about it. Here's a statement I released in September 2015. Yeah. It, sn- it snowballed really. And um, he mentioned it to a couple of producers that there was, you know, I wanted to do this and I wanted to speak about it publicly. Yeah. Not because I felt like I was any sort of A-list celebrity or anything like that. It was purely about having some control over it. And yeah. it, absolutely, it absolutely changed my life. And it, it opened the door to a world and an environment that I had nothing, no clue existed. And, and really the problems of how poorly represented LGBT people are in sport. And, and it was absolutely touching the messages of, of definitely of support and, and people saying how they just feel like they can't one way or the other be involved in sport or be themselves whilst being in sport yeah and how you know they wish they could do what I did and be as brave as me and all this sort of thing and I was thinking about I'm just, I'm doing this for so, totally selfish reasons to be <laughs> myself. that's what was going through my head and that's why I, I look back now and I'm like it's the best thing I ever did because I had no idea what the impact was going to be and it's only really little little old me doing it and it just now I think back and it really fills me with absolute pride uh, to to know that I, I was hopefully able to help a few people and and still get messages to this day yeah I'm sure you do that and that's incredible um that it had that impact you know and it's heartwarming to hear because we you know really we don't want to be having the conversations like we're having now that it is a big issue because it is still and it not obviously not being gay is the issue but the, the fact that there are so few it's so underrepresented people don't come out and you know I, do you feel like there's this still this culture of sort of um secrecy and keeping it under wraps do you feel, feel that's still in existence oh yeah 100 percent. i mean mm. the fact uh, the fact that became it was breakfast breaking news you know for tv you know all this sort of attention from for me and an absolute nobody I, I can't imagine what people in you know more household names really are feeling and and how they um cope with with it and and it's so tough because whether it's football or rugby you know real uh, a-lister sports or every four years when the athletics comes around at the Olympics or, or other mm. Olympic sports happen. Everybody wants to know everything about their Olympians, about yeah. you know who's winning medals and this sort of thing. And there's no hiding it. And, and yeah. it's not just being out to fans and that. That means you've got to be out to your family, teammates. You've got mm. to have a reason to be out, whether you have a partner or not. It's so complex. And, and sport doesn't do enough. Clearly, sport hasn't done enough to support those people and their families and their setups and I can't stress enough that after coming out I don't know whether it was just my peak in age and and that sort of thing yeah 
after that and perhaps not having that worry of of somebody finding out in within the media uh, i went on and as i said finished six at the olympic games a year later broke a world record and went on to break two more and won the commonwealth games medal and british records fell like there was mm. no tomorrow and I, it's got to have played a part absolutely i yeah. think it's coming out it's got to have played a part that, and that was one of my my questions you've kind of answered it without me asking it really because i i'm a big believer in us that the way for us it doesn't matter whether we're an olympic athlete like yourself or you know whoever little old sam adams like me like i said it i think you know we do our best work and we are our best selves when we can be ourselves um and it definitely you know how we feel inside affects our performance in life um so i am like you know doing this podcast and i'm really keen to sort of ask whoever comes on about the impact it has had on their training and on their performance in it performances and clearly for you it's had a positive impact yeah uh, absolutely and and i did the interview with victoria derbyshire back in 2015 and she said to me that day will this change anything do you think in your life and i said that nah, and now nah, you know my, my family know i've got a loving partner all my teammates know my coach knows and everyone's supportive little did i know how much it really would change you know not just the public stuff but perhaps it made my life then so much easier and and mm. and almost gave me more confidence to train that better a bit better and, and compete to that next level mm. yeah that's, that's really interesting do, do, were you do you feel like you were consciously aware that you were sort of carrying it did it feel quite heavy to not be sort of openly out no not not, not really but i was a bit more reserved and and not drawn but i just wasn't 100 percent me um, yeah. on teams and interviews and stuff like that whereas you know now it, it, it you either you like me or i was tough once <laughs> <laughs> you get to my age tom and then you really don't give a belief <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like i don't care what you think um life's too short so, so what i mean so did it change anything within your training environment we obviously you know your your obviously your coach and that was not just them, but the, around the British team and everything like that. How was it within sport directly? It's really short answer to this, and, it, and fabulously, it changed nothing. Brilliant, Abs absolutely nothing, mm -hmm. except for within my sport, a handful of people over the years coming and messaging me or, or coming to speak to me privately and mm -hmm. asking some advice and things like that. But apart apart from that, it didn't change a thing, and and that's what I love about athletics, especially it's so diverse. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I love all sport, but I do particularly. I did athletics as a kid, so I, I just love it. I just love it. So it's it's nice to hear that. Um, I'm speaking to um, Corinne Humphreys. Um, she, you know, probably know her. Um, so I think it's next week. So yeah, maybe she'll have a similar story. But it's so fascinating to get to talk to <laughs> to people like yourself and hear your experiences because sadly that's not the experiences of, experiences of everyone, is it? No, and and Corinne might. Might back back you up there with that point there that you know we recently started the athletics pride network at british athletics mm. and and um because not everybody has had my experiences um mm. within the sport of athletics and i know more and more sports are pulling 
pride networks together a lot like how football clubs have their lgbt um support supporters groups yeah it's it's been seen that you know other sports need to need to do the same and and mm. and it's been really really welcomed and and so that yeah that that is because not all sport not all sports are are, are welcoming uh, you know mm. it, it's it's not that there's obvious prejudice but it's it's just the sort of day-to-day things that that just slip on under the rug and 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 oh, aren't talked talked about really and never called up whereas you know in place of work and nowadays you 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 know you not watch what you say but you've just got to be as as open and welcoming to everybody uh, mm. as possible and, and sport i've always said this sport doesn't judge people sport is as good as you can kick kick a ball Mm. you know run around a track that's what's judging you is how fast you can do that or how well you can do do a skill you know Mm. but sports like obviously cricket and rugby and football they're very male dominated sports aren't they you know the the audience is very male dominated and probably they are some of the hardest ones i would should imagine um for someone to come out in um yeah i i agree but to the same extent that many of these people many you know whether it's fans in a stadium or or, or the the teams or uh, and the support staff involved in, in there that you know you don't expect people in, a, in an office to start hurling racist comments <laughs> or homophobic yeah comments at, at a colleague for making a mistake or or yeah. not doing something right yet they will go and do that in a stadium and they will shout that down at an opposing player or yeah. or <clears throat> it's just it's like people need to reflect on how they would react it, it's they are real classic of when you see a runner especially a girl running down the street or something you know w- would you whistle at her and that sort of thing mm-hmm. nowadays people are finally going yeah that's ludicrous yeah. and, and why do we suddenly feel this sort of urge to to spout whatever we want and then 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 stop and think actually what on earth am i doing like yeah. why why is that banter why is that and that is exactly the issue in in sport is it's so far away from how you would behave in, in normal day-to-day society for so many people yeah absolutely and i agree like you know the office environment you wouldn't you wouldn't go there and get it wrong and someone hurl a load of homophobic or racist abuse at you because you made a mistake but yeah on a football pitch or a rugby pitch it's it's you know sadly that's what that's what happens what you know, do you think there's enough being done? I mean, athletics, I think, is is maybe leading the way because you do have your athletics pride network. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about that, actually, about what what that is and how that works. I mean, that we we set that up at um, at, at the end of 2019 through um, brilliant work of, of a couple of people within the sport and. Um, it's just it, we haven't really been able to do anything in person because of COVID. It's yeah. been really tough. But it, it it was just 
a way to show support and and educate hopefully our athletics clubs and and um everything from major competitions down to grassroots level that mm. lgbt people are welcome and have a voice in in our sport and mm. we've had so much engagement from clubs and from other athletes and it's growing slowly but surely and it's gone a bit international as well which is fabulous Brilliant. um and we've had other sports reach out to us saying help us do the same here and and yeah. it it's as simple as that you know we're still finding our feet and it will take a while to continually grow because of covid but hopefully yeah. we can be visible at races and and uh, sort of coach education and athlete education and, and just uh, help athletics be even more welcoming than it already is yeah, that, that's amazing. I know I spoke to um, Michael Gunning last week, and there's one obviously for swimming now, swimming as well now. So that's that's really cool as well. Um, what would you? I guess. Do you? I mean, obviously, you know, when you're competing at the levels that you are, you know, you're an elite athlete, and like Michael, what, what is, and like Corin, and that you know, life is tough at the best of times. You know, being an elite athlete, you have to put yourself you know in physically difficult places i think it's really really tough on your body and your commitment levels are huge um and all that must take a toll i guess or on your mental health as well do you, is there support around that about coping because i think you know with coming out and, and not being able to be yourself whoever you are whether that's gay or whatever you know that just adds to the mix and makes it makes it tougher really um, is there that kind of support regardless of your sexuality? Is there support for mental health and things like that? Yeah, and it's it's growing hugely. Um, you know, I've I quite publicly had my own personal battles in in later life only because of the results and competitions and, and the toll of being an elite athlete for the length of time I, I have been. And, mm. and the sacrifices, as I said earlier, that, that I made on... Uh, that I chose to make yeah that has affected me as a person and my relationships with my family and so on and dealing with pressure and and, and uh, you know like we said earlier quite simply happy people are productive people really successful yeah. people and they're better at what they do and and sports selfishly in a way realize that and go actually we can benefit people's lives but we can also benefit our sport in in performances and medals and and so on and and I don't mean that really in a, in a, in selfishly way but it just goes hand in hand with with success and in sport yeah. and, and you know people do care and and for a long time I think governing bodies and um, especially in athletics were very cutthroat you know the su support funding I spoke about earlier it's either there or then then it's gone and mm. it can be you've got a whole team around you to. All that is taken away you know if you invest your own life in that you move to certain places where there's mm. the best coaches and so on and that's all then taken away or you don't win and there's sponsors pressure and that, that sort of thing it let alone any life a personal normal if you like issues yeah that, that you have to deal with um and so thankfully i think there's been a huge shift in in that sort of outlook in in sport and how does that show up? How what what's available to to you guys in athletics? Um, I 
believe across all sports uh, rather than just athletics it's we've got welfare officers and and you know it, there's so much more to to the support we get than just you know a little bit of cash in the bank and and, and a physio there by the mm. side of the track it's you know that they encourage us to grow our outside life and put a little bit of support in place whether we want to go and um learn how to learn a language or train you know do a degree there's, there's money to to put towards studies and, mm. and and things like that and that's not direct with mental health but it's this sort of package now that's been seen as for, for athletes is that creating a the best athlete and the best person go hand in hand absolutely yeah oh that that's really encouraging to hear so um, also I noticed that this week that you are now an ambassador for um, Pride House Brighton. Uh, Brighton. I'm from Brighton. That's why I said Brighton. Birmingham. <laughs> if only it was in Brighton. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. That would be amazing. Pride House Birmingham. So um, tell us a little bit about Pride House uh, uh, Birmingham and, and what that is and what it means to you to be an ambassador. Well, it's, it's as you said, it's only just been announced and Birmingham 2022 is uh the commonwealth games is what we're yeah. talking about there and and um it's something that i think is so important for sporting competitions to have uh and birmingham were they jumped at the idea of it and i know that they they pulled in people from birmingham and and the sort of further afield pride networks i guess um mm. And to make it a reality, because at previous Olympic Games, Winter Olympic Games, there's been this Pride House uh, idea, which is basically somewhere for people to go and watch the sports, uh, perhaps on TV or or meet other people, and then hopefully attend thing, you know, things, uh, events going on whilst these competitions are going on. But it's more than just a safe. A safe space it's there you know to educate and and with the commonwealth such a diverse commonwealth yeah. uh, you know the countries in it with yeah. some bizarre rules and laws and the rest of yeah. it i'll leave it at that that this could be really really important and and i'm so glad that birmingham have embraced it because it's such a diverse city anyway yeah. um, i think i think it's gonna be fantastic and they're obviously teaming up with um all these sports and events at commonwealth games and there's going to be so much going on during during the games and and in the build-up to it as well and, and hopefully yeah. a real real mini legacy off, off the back of it yeah it's, it sounds pretty exciting and um yeah i hope that i'm there in uh, birmingham 2020 i'm going to do my best so <laughs> talking, of, talking of games obviously tokyo uh <laughs> got to talk about Tokyo 2020 that's um because I, I remember reading somewhere that I think it was on the BBC or something he shed a little tear when he realized that Tokyo wasn't going to happen that must have been yeah because obviously for, for an athlete especially an athlete like you where your sport isn't you know it's not at every sort of meet is it it's not you know you train for so long for this moment for four years because it's the pinnacle right the Olympics is the pinnacle it's the one that everyone wants to win and then you know, obviously, you know, we, no one can account for a, a pandemic. But how how did you feel about that, or how how did you cope with that? Again, and mentally, that must be quite challenging. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd come off injury in 2019, pulled it all together at the end of that year for World Championships in Doha, where I managed to finish seventh, which I was gobsmacked at because I was my body was in a really bad way. And so we worked really hard through the winter of 2019-20 to get fit, strong, fast, healthy again. And we'd done all that. And March, Feb, end of Feb, early March came around, and I set back-to-back British records and was just flying. And uh, and then, yeah, so all of that was then taken away. But everyone's in the same boat and, and we're a long, long way down the pathway now that hopefully, as we say, the games were rescheduled and, mm-hmm. um, for this summer. And, uh, and I believe they'll go ahead. I don't. They won't go ahead in the normal way. I'm a bit disappointed because it's like this next six months should be absolutely buzzing with excitement mm-hmm. and I'm at my peak age in, in my sport. And so... I certainly don't want the games cancelled completely because I feel, you know, in, in three years' time in Paris, I'll probably be just over the hill a little bit. <laughs> I hope I'll still be competing at a very, very high level. But to yeah. win a medal, it's going to be now or never, I think, Right. the next, the next season or two. Um, so I put that own pressure on me. As I said at the start, I'm more than happy. Tomorrow I retired. I've achieved far more than I ever dreamt. So, <laughs> but... You know, it's my job. I'm currently sat here in Dubai because we're really fortunate enough to be able to travel for training and warm weather because we know how hot Tokyo is going to be. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just trying to stay positive through everything that's going on. And, and mm-hmm. But I feel like we've got this new responsibility now to really try and encourage everybody else as well to, you know, I bang on now the importance of walking for mental, physical health and that sort of thing. But if I can, if this run up to Tokyo and and having these games now as a light at the end of the tunnel, almost of perhaps the beginning of a new normal to the world, that's a really, really big responsibility for the games and for the athletes. And having said that, my diary is filling up, which is really nice of interviews. You know, I've got at the end of this, in a few minutes, I'm on with BBC and. Then there's oh, more right. interviews tomorrow. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I try and, you know, when you're training full-time, I try and squeeze everything into a few hours. But, you know, at the start of the year, I was like, I'm probably not going to be that busy and, and that sort of thing. But got stuff lined up for when I get home. And 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 for athletes like me, making the most of these Olympic year, is that goes hand in hand with yeah. the performances as well. It's all like the payoff, I guess. And, yeah. and so... Obviously, I'm just re- a bit selfishly. I'm really pleased I've done an Olympics. I I got that true Olympic experience, yeah. and and hopefully, hopefully, I'll have a third as well in me as long as I stay fit and healthy. So, you know, there's always tomorrow, as we said. Birmingham 2022 is already next year. There's a World Championships next year, but there's nothing quite like an Olympic Games. And so, yeah. yeah. No, it's the pinnacle, isn't it? And I was supposed to be going to Tokyo as well. I had everything booked to go to be in Tokyo for three weeks. So, you know, I know I wasn't competing, but I was gutted as a sports fan. It was just like, yeah, I, you know, obviously it was around for London 2020, which was amazing. But, um, yeah, going to uh, Tokyo was going to be a big thing for me. But, yeah, well, I hope I hope for everyone's sake that it goes ahead. I yeah. think it will come, it will be, prob- you know, it's, it's the biggest thing anyway. Um you know, we probably won't be moving around as much still. So you'll have probably more, even bigger audience than perhaps before, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you said that you're hopeful that it will go ahead. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and I hope you stay fit and well for that. 
couple of really quick questions because we're we're coming to the end and i know you've got to go to the bbc okay. um, <laughs> um but i really appreciate all your time this afternoon i guess what what's been your greatest challenge pretty obvious question but i have to ask it um i, I mean i, I say the obvious it for most people that don't weren't aware it was everything for around london 2017 was a home championships which in my event you can get disqualified from if you're classed as running rather than walking and so mm. for a, a one day challenge it was that day and it was getting over that that kind of sparked a little bit of a really dark period in my life for me after mm. i was leading the world championships in london in 2017 uh, uh, in front of tens of thousands of people lined the streets that day it was phenomenal and i think that's what kind of blew my chances almost was i i let it all uh, kind of take over my race and i threw my chance of medal away really but a lot was learned from then but as everything we've spoken about there's been lots of little hurdles which i think has really made me who i am from coming out numerous times to the challenge <laughs> of training every day being away from my fiance my lovely labrador at home and you, you become yeah <laughs> you've become resilient and so i know I've, I've said a load of things there but life is more than just your one really bad day it is yeah. what make, makes you as a person and those little challenges i see as as who make who makes me me now yeah absolutely yeah I, and i remember watching that um yeah i was watching that when that happened so yeah i can imagine how how tough it was what do you think you learned from that that your toughest challenge i guess i think as i've said almost a, a few times through this interview is after the years of kind of figuring out kind of how what was wrong and then and then reaching out and getting help for that as well yeah. was that as i've said i'm already content with everything i have in life hmm. and that external pressure that i i put on myself as well as media and, and the rest of it hmm. is totally unnecessary and just just takes away from who i am and what i'm doing yeah. And, and learning that I am, um, I'm an all right person. I, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be a good, a good fiance, a good dog owner, <laughs> a, a nice son, brother, uh, and and I'm already a successful athlete. And if I can achieve anything more, than then great, and and keep working at it, sort of thing. Amazing. Oh, thank you, Tom. Uh, well, our communications have been lovely, so I can attest to that <laughs> to anyone listening. Um, one couple of couple more really quick questions. What would be what's the one question uh, I didn't ask you that you wished I'd have asked? Oh, um, oh. I'm not sure. Uh, to be honest, it's more the other way around. I'll switch it again and say. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't ask me the the real. I hate the questions where, oh, do you know of any other out athletes, and uh, is there loads hidden away, sort of thing. Yeah. And this uh, almost almost out for a story, or yeah, or have you have you had any negative experiences? You know, it's or we've spoken about the challenges, but the results and the positive things as of that. Mm. rather than the negatives of something because when i came out publicly 90 percent was massively positive 10 percent was horrific yeah but really don't need to focus uh, on that 10 percent. need to admit it's there that 
things like the athlete pride network is essential for changing yeah. these things and i can't brush them under the carpet no but i know that doesn't make a good news story does it so <laughs> that's the thing, but it's also, you know it's a bit of human nature there as well you know there's this experiment that uh, I think it was a university professor did and he had an A4 sheet of paper and he drew a little red black dot in the middle and he gave one out to all of the students and he asked them, they gave him the bit of paper and he said, right, you got that bit of paper, what do you see? And they all said the black dot. Nobody said mm. the white that was around it. It's human yeah. nature to focus on the darkness and, the you know, that, that bit, that darkness in the middle. We do it. I don't know why. It's the brain, isn't it? It's our ancient brains. That it's all about survival and getting by and um, rather than looking for the light that's around it, which, you know, for me, you're a clear example of that. You of not that really. You don't look at the dark, that one thing that happened. You look at the light around it and what you've achieved, that you've had this, you know, you've, you've got this love for what you do and that you just feel grateful that you've had the opportunity to do it at such a high level and achieve everything you have. And, I bloody love that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And it's been really great talking to you and just hearing your positive experience and that athletics is doing by the sounds of it as much as it can do um, right now to help yeah. you know LGBT athletes um, to support them and, and obviously their networks because it, it does have that ripple effect, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And more is just going to happen. Hopefully, as you know, we get we get out of out of COVID. So. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy these positive sort of chats on it now. Yeah, it's good. Well, I'm not, I'm not a BBC News journalist or anything. I don't think <laughs> I just, you know, it's just been fortunate for me that I've, you know, I'll get to speak to amazing people like you and Michael and Corinne and, you know, Lou Englefield from Pride Sports and things like that. Because, you know, you know, I guess the selfish part of this for me is I'd love to be involved in sport in a professional capacity in what I do in terms of my life coaching. So I guess that maybe that's the selfish element of it really. Um, and that I get to speak to great people like you. So sorry, I have to admit that. You know. Oh, but I think that's what athletes love reaching out and connecting with everybody because then they make others feel part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me, Sam. You've been listening to It Starts With You. My name is Sam Adams. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about me, then you can visit my website, sam-adams.com, where you can find information about my coaching and my speaking. If you're interested in finding out more about the podcast and future guests, then please visit our Facebook page, It Starts With You, and also our Instagram page, It Starts With You podcast. Thanks very much and have a great day.